comes not except to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you might have and enjoy life, life in abundance until it overflows. Discover how to live the abundant life in Christ through the ministry of Pastor Oseyao Afuakwa. Pastor Afuakwa is the founder and general overseer of Faith House Charismatic Chapel International, a thriving ministry headquartered in Kumasi with a network of churches in Kumasi and Accra, Ghana. God has commissioned him to preach and teach the word of faith for people to know God better, live life better, and impact their world better. Get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. God bless you as you listen. Trust that your day has been good and you're walking in health and victory. Shall we pray as we get into the word of God? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your blessing. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for the gift of life. Thank you for grace that is upon us. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to come before you and to receive from you. Tonight, our hearts are open, our minds are ready. We ask the Lord. You let your word fall upon us like rain. Bring us understanding and illumination. Let no man or woman under the sound of my voice, wherever they may be at this time, remain the same. Lord, reach out to people in their homes, in their offices, wherever they are watching this video. And let this word be a blessing to them. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. You can go ahead, share the video, start a watch party, get your friends around you, invite people to listen in and be blessed. God richly bless you for being with us today. We're going to continue our series that we've been on for some weeks now. Uh, and it's been coming from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 1. 1 Thessalonians 5 1. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need I write unto you. Of the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need I write unto you. And first Chronicles says that first Chronicles chapter 12, verse 32. It says, And of the children of Issachar, which were men that had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. The heads of them were two hundred, and all their brethren were at their commandment. The heads of them were two hundred. Two hundred people influenced people in hundreds of thousands because of understanding. Understanding. I pray that in this service, God will give you understanding. And it's important that we understand the times we are in. Because life is designed to function in times and seasons. Times and seasons. He said, blessed is a man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor seated in the seat of his comfort. By his delight is in the law of his God. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He says, he shall be like a tree Planted by the rivers of living water, he shall bring forth his fruit in a season. Life is designed to function in times according to times and seasons. And if you don't discern or understand times, you can't make the most of your life. That is the essence of this teaching. And like we always do earlier on, we touch on the time of life. We've also looked at the time to own your health. We looked at the time to unite. 
We looked at a time to change, which we are still on. We have not finished. We'll come back to time to change. So, we want to look at the end times or the last days. That's what we started looking at during our fasting and prayer week. And I want to continue. I'm sure that when I'm done with the change series on the Sundays, I'm sure I'm likely to continue this on the Sundays. But in the meantime, we want to continue from this platform. Come with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 to 5. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. That's what they call perilous times. The word times there, or the, the word last, talks about eschatos. It talks about the last days. It talks about last day things. So, the word last, in the last days, that word last comes from the Greek word eschatos, which means last days or uh, end time events those are the things we are looking at and so we started talking about it and at the early part we established that yes it's true we are in the end times and it's important that we want to know what god's mind is how we ought to live our lives in these times i said that in the time if you look at world history and the history of plagues around the globe. There's a book I'm reading, The History of Viruses and Plagues. Now, if you look at world history, every time there has been a major world event, any time there has been a major catastrophic event that has affected a lot of people, people have always pointed it towards the end of the world or towards the end times. So it's almost like people don't think about end time things until, the, until there's a catastrophe or until there's a global shift. Something that is shaking the nations like the COVID-19 is currently doing. And because that is always the case, sometimes when uh, people talk about end times, people are really not, some people are enthused, others are not enthused. Sometimes it also brings uh, thoughts of fear and instead of joy and excitement. But for you as a Christian, when you hear about end times or last days, how must you relate to it? What must be your attitude towards it? That is the focus of this teaching. I just don't want you to be ignorant because a lot of things are going on on social media. People are sending all kinds of things, sharing visions of rapture and all kinds of things. I want to help you as your pastor to get the right perspective, scriptural perspective. We say that when it has to do with last days, there are two aspects of the second coming of Christ. We have the first coming, which is his coming for us. The second coming, which he will be coming with us. And then we said, in view of the fact that Christ will come back, the first coming where he's coming for us, in view of our, the expectation of that hope, there is a way we ought to live our lives. There is a way we ought to prepare for that coming. And so we said that there are four major things God expects us to do in preparation for his coming for us. We said, number one, we must wait. Number two, we must work. Number three, we must watch. Number four, we must witness. And we started talking about waiting. Somebody say waiting. That is the foremost call. God calls us to wait. We see that in the book of First. 1 Corinthians 4, verse 7 to 9. He said, I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ, that in everything you are enriched by him in all utterance 
and in all knowledge. Then he says, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. First Corinthians chapter 1 verse 7. Waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, we have to be waiting for his coming. Why? Because he said he will come back. Because he said he will come back. Because of the certainty of his second coming, we need to wait for him. And then number two, we said, because of the closeness, the fact that his time to return is close, we have to wait for him. Now, those were the two things we touched on. And then, of course, we wanted to look at how we ought to wait. Now, we know he's coming back. We know he's coming soon. And we know we must be waiting. But how must we wait? How are we expected to wait? Let's look at Matthew chapter 25, verse 1 to 13. Then the kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins, which took their lambs and went to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise. Five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lambs and took no oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels or their lambs. Five. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they slumbered and slept. The, take note, the bridegroom was delayed. So they had to wait much longer than they anticipated. At, at midnight, a cry was heard. Behold, the bridegroom is coming. Go out to meet him. Amazing. The bridegroom was supposed to come at a certain time. And then he's delayed and he comes at a very awkward time. At midnight, he comes. Then at the time everybody is sleeping, these foolish virgins wake up to discover that there's no oil in their lambs. Then they go to the others and say, hey, give us some of your lambs because our, our lambs are going off because there's no oil. Verse 9, but the wise answer, no, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. Now look at verse 10. So sad. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came. And those who were ready went in with him to the wedding. And the door was shut. I pray, if you are watching me, you have not given your life to Christ. I pray you will enter into Christ before the door gets shut on you. The Bible said when he came, those who were ready went in. And the door was shut. He delayed his coming, but some people were ready. He delayed his coming. Some people were ready and others were not ready. It's important we appreciate how we ought to wait. If he must come and find us so doing. If he must come and meet us doing the business he mandated us to do. If he must come and find us ready for his taking. Then we need to be waiting and waiting properly. So how do we wait? Two ways, if we look at the story we just read, ten of them were all virgins. Ten of them were all virgins. The key difference between them was the fact that the others had enough oil to keep them waiting until the time the bridegroom came and the others did not have enough oil. These were the two major differences. But all of them, but apart from these, they had quite a number of similarities. But one significant similarity is that all of them were virgins. And if we are to look at virgins in the context of righteousness, then we could say that all of them were righteous. 
And I believe that is one of the foremost ways, or is the foremost way we ought to be waiting on God. We must wait on God in righteousness. We must wait on God in righteousness. We live in times where people don't place a lot of value on living right, living in honor of God, living to please God. The Bible said in the last days, men shall be lovers of their own selves. They will be living to love themselves. They will be living to please themselves. They will be living to advance their interests. They will not be seeking God's kingdom, what pleases God, what honors God. No, that is not the generation we live in. This generation is an apostate generation. We adore sin, we celebrate sin, and we are comfortable in sin. And sometimes we sin under the guise of grace. But the Bible says the grace of God that bringeth salvation, Titus, has appeared unto all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness. Any grace that does not teach you to shun ungodliness is fake and artificial grace. That cannot be the grace of God. The authentic grace of God does not only empower us over sin, but it instructs us to stay away from sin. It's important. Because Christ is not coming for a, a, a sinful church. He's coming for a holy church. Look at what the Bible says. Second Peter chapter 2 verse 3. Second Peter chapter 3 verse 10 to 14. Now I'd like to read from the New Living Translation. He said, but the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a, a thief. The day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with terrible noise. And the very elements themselves will disappear in fire. And the earth and everything in it will be found to deserve judgment. Verse 11. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly life should you should live? Look at that. He said, since everything is going to be destroyed, what kind of life must we live? How must we live our lives? The King James says, the new King James says, Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought we to ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Holy conduct and godliness. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 to 27. He says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. That he might sanctify it and cleanse it by the, sanctify her and cleanse her by the washing of water by the word. That he might present to himself, take note of that, verse 27. That he might present unto himself a glorious church, number one. Number one, he, that he might present unto himself a glorious church. May God find you in a glorious position. May Christ come and meet you in a glorious position. A glorious church. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. But that she should be holy and without blemish. Three important words that are used there. And strangely, the Greek has almost the same meaning or similar meaning for all of them. He says, it should be a church without spot. It should be a church without blame. And it should be a church... With that is holy, and underneath all of these, in the original translation, is moral purity, moral uprightness. It talks about all of it when it says be holy, it talks about moral purity, moral uprightness without blemish. It within it is moral uprightness, having no spot within it is moral uprightness. 
So you cannot just be living your life anyhow and think that when Christ comes, everything is okay. No, everything cannot be okay. You need to prepare yourself. Imagine that you're, you are getting ready for your wedding and then your dress has long been bought and the day of the wedding, your husband comes in and is ready and by the time, just before he came in, you have gone to soil your garment bad and the, your dress is so dirty. I'm not sure that uh, the wedding can come on. The wedding may not come on. They will call the wedding off and change your dress before you make it. That's how some people may end up missing the, first, the, the rapture. And I pray that you don't miss it. So stay pure. The Bible says, now that we have this hope, in fact, I like what the Bible says, our hope of being like him at his coming must motivate us to live a holy life. Look at what 1 John 3, verse 2 to 3 says. He said, beloved, now are we the children of God. 1 John 3, verse 2 to 3. Beloved, now are we the children of God, and it do not yet appear, and it has not yet been revealed what it shall be, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. When he is revealed, we shall be like, for we will see him as he is. Look at verse 3. He said, and everyone who has this hope, what hope? The hope of being like him when he appears. He says, we know that for certainly he is coming. And when he comes, we shall be like him. And because we have the hope that we shall be like him, the first thing we need to do is to purify ourselves. May our lives be purified. There's no better way to stay purified except we stay in the word of God. The word of God purifies us. He says, sanctify them by thy word, thy word is truth. Except to live a life of prayer, a life of consistent prayer and fellowship. You can't just uh, think that because church is not meeting corporately, you will not come online and follow uh, the, the praise and worship and the prayer and then keep your spiritual life intact. No, you'll be a casualty. So stay on heart, stay in, in faith, stay in fellowship, stay in prayer, stay in the word. That is a vital way you stay uh, sanctified. It's key. He said, everyone who has this hope, do you have the hope of meeting him? Do you have the hope of being like him when he appears? Do you look forward to his coming? Are you expecting that when he comes, you'll be changed like him? Then the Bible says, what you need to do as you wait is to purify yourself. Purify your thoughts. Purify your heart. Purify anything that is a hindrance. Anything that is not making your relationship with God smooth and sweet. Lay it aside. The Bible says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us. And let us run with patience the race set before us. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 1. He said, Therefore, having these promises... Dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and of the spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. If there is any time you want to be holy, if there is a time where you need to be more cautious and more careful about your life, to live a life that pleases God in spirit and in truth, I believe that time is now. I believe that time is now. As we await, we have a responsibility to live righteous. We have a responsibility to walk in holiness. So the first way we have to wait is to wait in righteousness. Don't allow people to lead you astray. No. No. 
On a wedding day, everybody wants to wear his best garment. We have the garment of righteousness. No one saw it. Jesus gave it to us. He said he made him to be seen. Who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He said beauty for us is the oil of God. The garment of praise for the spirit of uh, heaviness. It's critical that we appreciate that the garment that we have been given, we have a responsibility to keep in it. Uh, you can't say your, to your husband-to-be after he spent quality money to buy you an expensive garment for your wedding day. You can't just go and play in the mud with it and then when you come, you expect him to be laughing. No. God, Jesus, bought the garment of righteousness for us at the expense of his life. He made him to be sin. Who knew no sin? That we might be made the righteousness of God. So when after you have been made the righteousness of God, if you decide to walk consciously in unrighteousness, in lawlessness, in a way that dishonors God, you are actually insulting the grace of God. And I pray that none of us will live our lives like that. To live a holy life simply means you are saying thank you to God for giving you the garment of righteousness. That's it. Holy living is not about legalism. It's, it's just an act we do to show that we are grateful to God. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That we might be saved. So, in gratitude, that's why Apostle Paul was speaking in Romans chapter 12 verse 1. And he says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable unto God. He said, I present you in view of God's mercies. Because of what he has done for us. Don't let your body become a source of sin. Let Christ be glorified. Apostle Paul said, whether by life or by death, I have one desire that Christ may be glorified in my body. May sin not have dominion over you. May sin not rule your mind. May sin not rule your heart. May sin not rule your life. We have a responsibility to honor God in our bodies. The things we do with our body, the things we say with our mouths, the things we handle with our hands, they matter to God because we are the temple of Christ. Very important. In view of his mercies, because of the sacrifice he made, denying yourself of sin is not, is not an achievement. It's just an act of gratitude. It's just a way of saying, Lord, I thank you. Lord, I'm grateful. Lord, I'm not weak. Lord, I am thank You remember when the single leper came, Jesus said, where are the nine? And every time you sin, you are, you are simply acting like the nine. You are not showing gratitude. You are not showing value. He said, you have been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. Glorify God. Glorify God. You have a responsibility. You can't just live for yourself. In the, in the last days, we are told in first, uh, Second Timothy, that perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves. Just loving themselves. Just do what they like. Whatever pleases them, that's what they do it. He said, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. May you not be a victim of one of those. He said in the last days, perilous times will come. Christians will be lovers of themselves. Are you a lover of yourself? Do you have time for God? Do you love God more than you love yourself? Do you love God more than you love yourself? If you do, it will show in your behavior. You will seek to do things that please him rather than do things that please yourself. If you love God more than you love yourself, it will show. The Bible said, if you love me, you will keep my commandment. Obeying God is never difficult. Living a life of holiness is never difficult. You don't see yourself as punishment. You see yourself as just loving God. When you love someone, you want to do what pleases him. 
You want to do what excites him. You want to do what makes him happy. That's what you do for a lover. I've never met a person who genuinely loves another person who goes on a conscious tangent to make the person unhappy to hurt the person. That's not genuine love. Real love seeks to please the one he loves. If you love God, we will seek to honor him. I pray that you, your garment will be kept white. You will, you, will, you will learn to maintain your work of righteousness. This is not to make you feel guilty, but this is to make you come on the right track. Maybe you are falling into sin. This is not the time to lie down. Because of the sacrifice he made on the cross, you have forgiveness with God. Wake up from that slumber of sin and then return to him just like a prodigal son. His arms are wide open. He's ready to receive you. Grace is still available. Grace to do what is right. Grace to honor God. Grace to live to please God. May this grace rest upon you. And I pray that before he comes, he will meet you ready for him in righteousness in every area of your life. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you. May the Lord watch over you to preserve your life. In Jesus' precious name. Maybe you are online and you have not given your life to Christ. And you want to say, Pastor, I want to be born again. I want to pray for two categories of people. Those who have not given their life to Christ. You don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. I want to pray with you. Those who have given their life to Christ but they are struggling with certain things. You are struggling with sin. You are struggling living a life that pleases God. You have confessed that you are a new creature, but your life is not manifesting new creature things. You want to say, Pastor, I need the grace of God to be able to come back on track. I used to be on fire for God. I used to be in love for God. I used to be consistent in my prayer time. I used to be consistent in my work with God, but I've fallen off and I want to come back. Pastor, I just want you to agree with me in prayer. Those are the two categories of people I want to pray with before this broadcast is over. So, if you are in any of the categories, particularly if you are yet to be saved, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you for today. I thank you for the opportunity to hear your word. I admit I'm a sinner and I call upon you. Come into my life. Be my Lord and my Savior. Forgive me my sin. Thank you, Father, for saving me. I believe with my heart that you died for me. I confess with my mouth, you are my Savior. Thank you for saving me in Jesus' precious name. Now, those of you who are struggling with certain things, you need the grace of God. The grace of God empowers us to overcome sin. He says, let us come boldly to the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Grace of God is transmitted through the word of God. The grace of God is also transmitted through prayer. That's why I want to agree with you this moment and pray. That the grace of God that empowers for godly living, that grace will come upon you. Wherever you are watching now, any sinful habit, anything that Satan is using to take advantage of you, taking dominion over you, I curse it to the root. And I decree that you are not, sin shall not have dominion over you. Because you are not under the law, you are under the grace. Receive grace from your heart to shake off the dust and rise up in righteousness. Go on and walk with God. Every force of condemnation, every satanic agenda that is bringing condemnation to your mind just to keep you living a life of sin, I bind that mental torture on you. And I release freedom wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. There's therefore now no condemnation for you as a child of God. Receive forgiveness and walk in new strength. You will not go back. You will be steadfast in your walk and in your faith with God. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. 
in Jesus' matchless name. Amen. Now, the rest of us, maybe there's one or two things you want to talk to God about. Maybe the Holy Spirit spoke to you specifically about one particular area of your life. Just a minute or so. Speak to God about it as we prepare to take the communion. The Lord, as I come to take your body and your blood, let divine energy, let supernatural strength be my portion. In the name of the Lord Jesus, thank you, Spirit of God. I bless you. I honor you. Thank you, Father. In the name of Jesus, by your body, I receive strength. I receive energy. I receive fresh fire to go on with you. In the name of the Lord Jesus, thank you, Lord. In Jesus' precious name. So go ahead, prepare the communion. I'm sure you prepared it, knowing that Wednesday is our communion service. If you've not prepared it, get a drink. Get a biscuit, get some bread, and let's take the communion together. So, Father, we take your body and we receive your strength and your life. Thank you, Spirit of God, for your help. In Jesus' precious name. Pastor Afuaka has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. To get a copy of this message and other messages as well as books by Pastor Afuaka, please call 0540-122-670 or email us at faithhousechapel at yahoo.com. Get interactive with Pastor Afuaka on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also visit our website at www.faithhousechapel.com for any further information. Log on and be part of our power-packed online services live every Sunday for our celebration service at 9am and every Wednesday for our discovery service at 7pm on Facebook and YouTube using the handle Faith House Charismatic Chapel International. God richly bless you. Hey!